Today's episode of The Beat is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Another episode of The Beat. I am yours truly, Nick Baumgartner, here in Ann Arbor, still quarantined uh, with Brendan Quinn, who's quarantined separately, growing his beard out. Uh, somebody said the other day, Brendan, that you uh, got a little Kurt Warner thing going on, and I had to say, well, he has late Arizona Cardinals Kurt Warner when he was gray, gray beard going on, not like Rams era. Yeah, Kurt old, Warner old, shitty dark. Kurt Warner would be my, yeah. my <laughs> no, he was still good. He was still good. Though. No, I, no, I mean, player. I mean, shitty looking, not not, not <laughs> okay. playing. Just well, very fair enough. Old and fair dated. Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could take that. But anyway, we've got another guest here today. Um, uh, a, a person. We got a lot of people who said you guys did way too many Michigan podcasts in a row. So we were like, hey, why don't you just calm down and hang on? We've got something in the works. So we've, we're joined today uh, by the great Kenny Goins, uh, former Michigan State player who, of course, was overseas this past season. Uh, and we've got a lot, I think, Brennan, to talk uh, with Kenny about here today. We do. Uh, the you know everyone has their stories of uh, navigating what is this bizarre, awful situation and. Uh, Kenny certainly had a uh, what we think is a unique experience uh, <laughs> yeah. of, of trying, trying to get through this. Kenny, thank you for coming on, man. We really uh, we appreciate it. Um, no, thank you for having me. It's it's a hell of an opportunity just to be here. Yeah, man. Uh, you're letting the hair go. You look good. Yeah. You know. I'm thinking about getting out, like you know, Will Smith high top. Pick it out. Oh, get go. it shaped up into a box. Hell I think yes. that would look good. Yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. That's what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> And then, I mean, if if you let it go all the way up, and then you go back to that the old fade you had, now you're getting into like kid and play territory. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna have to learn the dance and oh, everything. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you are currently in the state of Michigan. Yes, yes. Uh, just got back probably about 13 days ago, 12 days around. Um, barely made it back into the states, but got here, and uh, you know, I've been self quarantined with my family for. The first 10 days that they say, now I'm hanging out with my girlfriend because we only live a mile and a half away from each other. So we go back and forth. Um, obviously, she was out in Italy with me, so she made the trip back, did the self-quarantine on her own, too. And, um, you know, just enjoying uh, being back in the States, the conveniency of certain things, just American brand that we're not. I bet. So, yeah, you played professionally overseas in, in Italy. You were living in Sicily, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, city of Trapani is on the very western part of Sicily. Pretty much, if you look at the map, it's touching Africa. So, yeah, like all the way on the tip of the boot. Like yeah. the... No, not even the boot. Oh, right, the Sicily. Boot and the ball is Sicily. <laughs> oh, so oh, we're on the far west side of the ball. <laughs> and uh, right on the water, it looked like it has to be oh, just yeah. amazing. It's a, it, like, Sicily's got like three points. We were the third point. So it's like a little peninsula. One side's got a bunch of shipping. The other side's got beaches as far as you can go. So it's gorgeous. Not bad. Absolutely gorgeous. 
So can a lot you, better than Michigan weather. Yeah, <laughs> you were there. Um, when did you get to Italy after the Final Four ended? You got to you. You were saying before we started, you it was a pretty quick whirlwind there, and then you you ended up over there. Well, yeah, I didn't fly out until August August twenty fourth or okay. something like that. But um, you know, from the Final Four, I finished up school. I went to the senior camp in Virginia. That was probably mid to late May. Got back from that, had about a month off at that point of, you know, sitting around the house. Uh, I was up in East Lansing working out, working out at home, just kind of getting my life together. Um, had hired an agent right after that, and then I went to Summer League, which was, I went out the week before Summer League to Denver to practice. They had us practicing there instead of in Vegas. Flew with them on the 4th of July to Summer League in Vegas, did those two weeks. As soon as I got back, uh, two days later, I found out I was going to Italy and flew out. So it was probably mid of Ju- middle of July. I had like three weeks until I flew to Italy. So pretty quick stuff. But And like, yeah. so when when you get into that process of, you know, the season ends, okay, now what's next? Um, are you, can, can you kind of explain to people how that works that, all right, you, yeah, you want to try to catch on with an NBA team. So you go to Summer League. And I think you were with Denver. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, 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 the Nuggets. Um, so, but at the same time, okay, got to make money overseas. Probably is the best opportunity for cash. Um, like, how? What's the balance between being able to pick where you want to play versus, you know, just the most money? What you know, like, because there's yeah, obviously uh, a million I mean, different options sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think or everyone's going to professional basketball, especially coming out of a high-level university like Michigan State, you're going to have an opportunity to play somewhere. And luckily for me, I had the opportunity to go to Summer League. You know, my agents kind of hooked me up with that. And great opportunity. I didn't really get that much playing time, you know, how things fell. But uh, I played the last game of Summer League, uh, went out, did my thing. And from there, right after that game, I talked to three different people from Italy, two from Spain, you know, a bunch of different overseas options. So, Instantly, you know, you kind of got opportunities coming to you. And then as soon as I got back from Summer League, like I said, it was two days later I found out where I would be going. And it wasn't it wasn't like I sat there and was like, oh, you know, well, this team's here, that team's there. They're offering this much money, you know. Mm-hmm. My agent kind of sat me down, laid out all the options, was like, this is what we think is the best. Now, we can go through each option to describe why why we think it's the best. And, you know, I, I told them, you know, take me through the three best and, this team just had offered, you know, the most amount of money for my position to put me in a good position for my uh, career later. You know, you want to have a good first year so you can get set up for year two, year three, year four, because, you know, the later contracts are where the real big money is at. Right. Um, and you were in, like, the A2 league? A2, yep. Um, looked up your stats. Looked like you had a nice little year, playing, like, nice year. 27 minutes a game, averaging, like, about 12 and 6. Um, was it the opportunity? Yeah, I, uh, I had... Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, well, I don't know if you know, but overseas medical professions aren't as uh, dedicated, I would say, especially in the sports world. So I had a couple um, uh, real lingering back problems Mm. for most of the late middle of season. Um, It's probably about six, seven games. But besides that, you know, I had a real good, real fun time. uh, Like I said, it put me in a good position to succeed and I think mainly just off of that, yeah, I could probably go back to Italy and play again next year without even mm-hmm. working out this summer. But, of course, I am. You know, it's just, uh, like I said, it was really good for a start off, a launching point. Did you cross paths with any unexpected Americans? Like, oh, shit, yeah. is that 
Uh, I found out Reggie Lynch from Minnesota. He was playing. Oh yeah, actually on the other side. But um, you know, me and him had talked a while, a little bit, especially when everything had kind of happened with this virus, because he was in Milan. So uh, you know, most Americans out there just kind of stuck together. Yeah. No one had any. You know, it's not like college where there's any rivalries or anything. No one's got any problems with you. It's all you know, we're all just out here trying to make some money, advance our career, and whatnot. So let's talk about that then, because you said you got back, Kenny, to the U.S. How many days ago? Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Oh, right. Probably around 13. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right around 13. About 13 days ago. So what was the, I, I guess, what was the whole, from, from your perspective, being in Italy, what was the process like being in Italy in a place where obviously, you know, this impacted everything there? Um in great numbers, uh, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know what was what was that sort of all like? You guys were still were you guys still playing at the time, or was it done? Yeah, yeah. So for for me, like I said, uh, Reggie Lynch was in Minnesota, or was in Milan, where that was like you know kind of the epicenter of things going down. For me, the island of Sicily had one confirmed case the entire time up until I left. I don't know about now, but up until I left, there was one confirmed confirmed case. So it was really safe where I was. And they had locked down all the all the transportation really to and from the island. So, you know, they they kept things secure. But as things kind of started getting going, we had known about this, I think, November, December, right. like something like that. No one really talked about it. In January, February, it started to really hit the media. Everyone was talking about it. The North was starting to shut down cities. Our last game was the 1st of March. And right around the end of February is when it really started getting heavy in the North. Some teams couldn't even leave the city. Mm-hmm. Their cities that they were in started, like, locking down the cities. You weren't allowed to take highways, buses, trains, planes, boats, anything. So because of that, they that's really why our season got suspended. They actually just canceled it this morning for good. Mm-hmm. Um but it got suspended because most of these teams couldn't even make it out of their city to go play the game. And as they issued that order, we had a team from a little bit north. It's just north of Rome. They were in our city getting ready to play our last game of the season. And, you know, it was we were in shoot-around the day of the game. We didn't even know we were going to play a game because there were teams that had to make up two games before us. And they still haven't finished their season. Like, we, we finished all our games. That last game, March 1st, we played zero fans. Uh, wow. Yeah, no family, no friends. It was five uh, EMS, five police officers, and then probably 20 people from each team, you know, coaches, players, whatnot. So it was an eerie feeling. But, you know, we got our season done, won that game, and ended up securing our spot for the playoffs. It got canceled. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's going through your head in a scene like that? You're, you know, halfway around the world, um, playing in an empty gym while the pandemic spread, and you're like – I just don't know how you're fococusing on the game at that point because I'm sure at this point in your mind it's already you know am I getting home can I get home how do I get home do I want to go home because obviously right. it's about to break out in the U.S. Um, just I mean it has to just be going a mile a minute. Yeah, I mean even for me like uh, I think the main thing for me was do I want to go home uh-huh. because like I said it was it was safe it was it was I was probably 100% safer there than I am here and. Uh, I think that was the main thing for me was, do I want to go home? But for like, I wasn't really worried about that because I wasn't going to go home until the games were finished, you know? And uh, so luckily after we finished, like, I was pretty locked in for that last game, but you could tell, you know, we played the number one team in our league and we beat them by like 10. You could tell they weren't in it. Mm-hmm. They were from the North. So most of their apartments, you know, where they had to go back was in the red areas. So 
I think for a majority of the league, no one was really worried about games. No one was worried about, you know, who's going to show up. Everyone was worried about, you know, especially Italians are very family-centered. They were all worried about, I need to get back to my family. I need to take care of my family and be there with them. And I assume, like you said, you know, you're, you're probably maybe in your situation there, you may have been safer, but when you're going through the thought process of the same thing, right? Like I want to be with my, near right. my family if I can, I want to be home if I can. Um, right. What was sort of that process or the thought process like for you, maybe in like early March there, like, what do I want to do? I mean, how long did it take you to decide, you know, sort of how you want to go through the process there? <laughs> it actually took a lot longer than it probably should have, but, yeah. um, that was, that was mainly because my girlfriend had just left Italy. When did you leave? January? No, November. November, she had left. So I hadn't seen her some, since November, and she had a plane ticket scheduled to come back for March 6th or 7th, something like that. You know, it's a two-day trip. So um, after that game, then sat there for four days arguing with her about, you know, <laughs> you probably shouldn't come, all this and that, yeah. you know, just trying to play good cop, bad cop, whatever, and, she ended up flying out anyways just to be with me be with, during this time because she knew that Italy was going to be on lockdown. As soon as she got out there, then we kind of had, you know, well, we're probably safer here. But, you know, I haven't been home since August. I know you just came from home, but I haven't been home. They're going to lock the borders. We don't know when it's going to be. All these things that go right through your mind. And we really didn't decide to come home until probably second end of the second week in March and then we flew out halfway through that third week. So like I said, it took a little longer than it probably should have, but again, there's so much that goes into yeah. it. Yeah, there's no blueprint for that. You don't know what you're supposed to do or there's nobody telling you. Right. You know, and everything's possible. it's each different is for you yeah. know, I'm different from someone in the north. Uh, right. Michigan's different from Texas. It's right. all about where you where you came from. So And I know there were a, every case is different. There there were a lot of players who had to uh, I think we had Stu Douglas on recently and he was talking about, you know, his team is telling him, you know, if you leave, it can't, it might nullify your contract and all this stuff. Like, did you face anything like that? Or was it, were you kind of given the free and clear? That was another thing. Once once I, well, my team, uh, my president of my team was the president of the league. So real good guy, real stand-up guy. Um, I know a lot of teams over in, uh, even in my league, we're talking about, you know, just cancel the cancel the whole season. This is when the, some of the teams were still behind. We finished our last game first of March. Some teams still hadn't had to play two games of the regular season before moving on. So at that time, a bunch of teams in the North were like, you know, just cancel playoffs so we don't got to pay anybody because they were behind on payments or whatever it might be. <laughs> luckily, I didn't Amazing. run into that. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> but luckily, I didn't run into that. Um, you know, my team, I had wrote up a contract. You know. If by May 1st they don't decide anything, then we'll come back and re- reevaluate the contract. But it was on pause up until they, you know, figured out what they were going to do for playoffs. Today they figured it out, so I still have to talk to my agent to figure out, yeah, you know, what the settlement's going to be. I'm hoping, you know, maybe it's 50 to 60% of whatever is remaining on my contract. But, again, there is no guarantee because, you know, they're, may- they're losing out on money, so – trying to pull some money out of them. It's not going to be any easy, but I, I got to call with my uh, agent right after this. So hopefully I get something. So you guys decided You're, to go I'm pretty back. sure this should have been the go other ahead. way around. Talk to your agent yeah. first, then talk to our dumbasses on a podcast. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. It's all good. I literally, like, I woke up an hour and a half ago. My girlfriend was the one that broke the nose to me about our, our season oh, finally being canceled. Oh. Yeah, so I was I, first thing I was like, text my agent. I'm like, all right, so now what's the next deal? He's like, I'll call you back. And you. you know, no worries. <laughs> So, uh, you guys decide to come back. You know, you guys are there in Italy. Decide to come back. What um, 
Where'd you fly out of, and what was that sort of experience like? Uh, it, getting out, uh, <laughs> being at the airport, and being on, you know, oh, plane man. at that time because you I was, that gonna, was right when it was like, whoa, we're you're gonna give me PTSD. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, it's gotta be crazy. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, yeah. oh, it was it was ridiculous. Um, like I said, they had locked down buses. <laughs> cars you know yeah. every every form of transportation you need to have like this government issued paper i think they're i think they're starting to give out different papers to people working here now but you had to have a government issued paper on where you were going why you were going there why you're authorized to go there and then signed you know by a police officer yeah. so my team had given me all these different papers and we flew out of palermo the first day from palermo to rome okay. and mind you i was going to like ship some of my stuff home and i had three days to get out so you know, I just kind of packed it all up and was like, let's go. So between me and my girlfriend, we had eight or nine bags trying to go through this airport. Oh. Oh, I'm worried about how much it's going to pay just to get it on the plane. Luckily, they gave us deals because there was 10 people on this plane. Wow. So we fly from Palermo to Rome. We land in Rome. You know, I gave my paper in the first airport, land in Rome. They give us a whole another four sheets of paper to fill out. I don't speak Italian like that, too. So yeah, <laughs> they're, all, all they speak is Italian. You know, they don't have any... Uh, what are they called? Interpreters? Mm -hmm. or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the airport at this time because of everything going on. So I'm sitting there just trying to use Google Translate. I got the mask on, gloves on, three different coats on because I couldn't pack it off. <laughs> then we had to leave the airport, stay the night in Rome at an Airbnb that my team put us up in. Next morning, we get up at like 4 a.m., do the whole thing through the airport again. And again, with our nine bags, luckily they gave us another deal. And that was the flight from Rome to Detroit. Yeah. That, or no, Rome to New York. Oh, that was geez. nine hours. Yeah. A million stops. <laughs> but then you get to New York along with 40 other Americans trying to flee Italy, you know, just mm -hmm. make it home. And all of us are just trying to con catch connecting flights. We get to go get our bags and move them to the next flight. And they haven't found, or no, they lost two of the tabs on our bags to go for the next flight so now we got to go and recheck those bags carrying all nine of our bags <laughs> then we finally got all that done you know i'm sweating still wearing the three coats mask yeah. and gloves <laughs> get all that done finally get on our plane from new york to detroit and that two hours felt like i don't know yeah two days because yeah. it, you know i was finally like oh man i'm finally about to be home but it just felt so so long but you know i finally made it to detroit Collected all our bags. My dad got us from the airport and dropped my girlfriend off. And I don't think I ever want to get on a plane again <laughs> after that experience. And you and this girlfriend are still together, first of all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very impressive. Very impressive. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All those things you just said. Yeah, by the end of, of three weeks, quarantine together, too. You, you get to that yeah. airport, there's a little bit of arguments going on. <laughs> Uh, that whole that whole process gave me anxiety yeah. as you were talking uh, through the conversation. But I mean, like even the night where it's like, okay, you fly and you connect in, into Rome, but then they make you go stay the night. Mm -hmm. like, was that night the longest night of your life, sleeping in that? Like that was pretty long. But room? at the end of the day, you know, or even during the middle of the day, because we had gotten up at six a.m. to go to the Palermo flight. We got to Rome. It was like one one thirty by the time we got to our hotel room. We stayed up until. Maybe like six, seven thirty, and then both of us were just like, "We're going to bed. We got to be up again at like five o'clock the next day to catch our flight." And we're just exhausted from carrying all our bags to and from airports and all that stuff. We were just dead, so we yeah. really just slept most of that time in Rome. Wow! Because especially because you can't go out and do anything, no. you know, all the everything to eat was closed. Mm -hmm. uh, to even get food, you had to order in. So we ordered in right around five dinner time, and 
after that we were lights out. <laughs> was there a point where you thought, um, you know, we're not, this we're not going to be able to get out of here? Was there a point where you were like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work? Or was oh yeah, it, you know, oh yeah, there was there was multiple <laughs> points along the way, especially before we had even you know gone. I was like, maybe it's too late because that was around mm-hmm. the time that that was right when Italy had issued you know stay inside order. Mm-hmm. But theirs was a lot more strict than it is here even. Yeah. So there was multiple times where I was like, you know, if we don't go now, we still might not make it, but there's no chance we're going to make it later. Um, multiple times I thought that even as we had the tickets in our plans, like going to the Rome airport, right. I was like, I don't know if they'll let us on. Right. And then once I started seeing more Americans, it made me feel better. Like I said, there was like 40 Americans and everyone we talked to, they were like, you know, embassy told us if you don't go home now, then... It's, it's kind of a question mark of when you'll be able to go back. So it was just like everyone trying to flee. Man, I mean, as a guy who made a pretty famous late game shot, this one might be uh, even more impressive buzzer beater, man. Yeah, this, yeah. this, is, this the pressure was on for this one yeah. a lot more than it was for the other game. Yeah, it makes, makes Zion Williamson flying at you seem like uh, not a big deal. Yeah, United States government's a lot bigger than that. <laughs> so when you do get home... Okay, you land in Detroit, you go through customs. Is that when they tell you, you know, like, we recommend the the two weeks or whatever? Yeah, they give you, literally to leave the airport, I had to carry this card and all the card settings, you know, stay inside for 10 days. If you have any fevers, call this number, whatever. So it's not like it was, I thought it was going to be a lot more secure than what it was, to be honest. But Mm -hmm. they call and check up on you like three, four times. I think I've gotten called three times. My girlfriend's gotten called a couple different times. Yeah. Wow. Just like uh, it's local hospitals. I think they distribute whatever your information is and they call does any of this make you question whether you want to go back and play overseas again no not at all i, I would go back tomorrow if i could if it was safe <laughs> what was uh what was your spirit what was your, your your year like living there then or your your season i suppose i, mean, I know a lot of we talked to a lot of guys who, who go and do that and, and sometimes it's a culture shock in a good way sometimes it's you know maybe not in a good way sometimes it's different yeah. for everybody what was your year abroad like uh what was the experience like yeah, I have I have really no complaints about what my year was like. Um, like I said, I, my girlfriend was out there from the beginning of the year till November and then that last couple of weeks. So it was nice to have her out there with me, but it, it did get a little lonely for those couple months when she was gone. But besides that, you know, I had a really friendly team. All of them spoke Ital- or English to an extent. Um, no one in my city spoke English, which is, was a big thing. Wow. Uh, yeah. As far south as I was, you know, the North Hall, everyone has right. some English. Where I was at, it's a bunch of... Uh, they call it the country, so it's like going to Kentucky, I guess you would say. Yeah. Or yeah. something like that. You know, everyone speaks only speaks Italian and it's like farmland and they everyone said, you know, you're not learning Italian, you're learning Sicilian. It's <laughs> it was it was beautiful though. Beaches yeah. as far as you could see. And it was definitely an experience just to live somewhere that deep in the culture, you know, completely immersed. Mm-hmm. Like I said, no one spoke English, so it was just all that Italian Sicilian lifestyle. <laughs> And like you said, would I want to go back? I would love to go back because it was that good of an experience for me, awesome. for my girlfriend, you know, just to be able to see different parts of the world and experience it. And in terms of like level of play and stuff like that, I mean, were you you're pretty much playing blind in terms of like how good are these guys, right? And like what kind of minutes am I going to get? What level yeah. of player, what caliber will I be within this league? Like. What was it like kind of right. figuring that out and uh, were you happy with things? <laughs> well, especially coming from Michigan State where everyone has a very, very defined role <laughs> coming from the top on down. Uh, it was it was weird because you kind of 
you got to choose what your play style was going to be like. Mm. You know, you got to, in the first month, you got to choose, this was going to be my role. And then everyone kind of accepted you as that role. Um, so you really got to, you know, kind of have that rediscovery of what you, what you love and best, like all that, you know, what you have to give, what you, what you can want to bring. Um, you know, I didn't think that it was going to be, I didn't really know what to expect for the competition. Actually, I was going to say, I didn't think that it was going to be that competitive, but then at the other, like on the flip side, I was like, you know, you are playing against, I don't know, some people are 40 years old or whatnot. Um, but once I got out there, you know, I realized that it's great basketball, you know, there it's not as athletic so it's all it's all up here it's all like basketball and mm-hmm. being played so everyone out there knows how to run the pick and roll everyone knows how to make the extra pass everyone plays great basketball smart basketball so um for me coming in you know i know how to play smart basketball i know how to pass and i probably double the athleticism for most people that out there so um, i was really able to kind of just jump in and fit in with you know just like a running start with these guys and, yeah I had a really good teammate that was an American. Uh, he won the MVP of our conference the last two years. I think he just won again this morning. So uh, he made it 10 times easier just on for uh, defensive schemes uh, out there. They, they solely focus on Americans because those are usually the best on the team. And having an MVP on your team obviously opens up a, a who, little bit of room. You know, it's like Kevin. Who was that? Uh, his name is LaMarshall Corbett. He's from uh, – he lives in Texas. I think he went to a small junior college out in mm. Texas. Uh, he's been playing in Italy for – this is this was his seventh season. Wow. And uh, I'm sure he's coming back. So. Wow. Um, did you kind of carry over what you were doing over the second half of your senior year? Or was it a lot of ball screen stuff and shooting threes? And it's kind of a mm-hmm. similar look to that. Like I said, everyone knows how to run ball screen over right. there. And everyone knows how to shoot. From five to one, everyone else to choose. Mm, yeah, that was another reason I was able to fit in with these guys. You know, pick and pop stuff like that, pick and pop a tag. You know, like I said, I was a little more athletic than most of these guys, so that first step made it a lot easier to go around people and um, just like the pump fake. It was weird though because Paul traveled so much out there. You know, they got you know small differences in their rules. Like I got called traveling probably forty times in the first ten games. <laughs> it's ridiculous, <laughs> yeah, but wow. Towards the end of the season, I started to get the hang of it. They said you can't, like, if you're in a triple threat and the ball's right here, I can't go this way, sweep and dribble. I can only, like, if it's my right foot that I can move, I can only cross my body. Ah, interesting. So, like, left foot can only go this way, right foot can only go this way. I can't go with my momentum. So that's why I kept getting called devils because, you know, sweep, right. dribble is one of the most common clothes uh, attacks, you know. You got, you got to get that, that film of you going off the bounce, though, and send it to Izzo and tell him that he was limiting your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had this uh, all along, man. <laughs> like I said, he kept it defined. You know, it helps everyone in, in certain ways, but you get to rediscover once you get – it kind of holds it in you, and then you just break free once you get out. Mm-hmm. And you remember that, oh, yeah, I still – I did this in high school. I can still do this in, or I've been working on this for four years. I can do this. So it sounds like you you because um, some guys we've talked to over the years like they go they go overseas for a year and they don't like it and then they're done. It sounds like you really really enjoy it. Is, is, do you want to ride this out like as long as you can basketball? I mean, is that your plan right now? Is yeah, just, yeah. Let's see how long we. Can I mean, as long as long as my body can hold up. You know? Yeah. Um, basketball is what I love to do. It's treated me well so far, really well, and. If I can make money doing it, then I'm going to do it for as long as I can. I would love to go and try my head in the NBA again. I was already yeah. talking with my agent about Summer League, which 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah, I don't no. think anyone. Yeah. So, um, you know, everything's kind of question mark right now and what's going to happen in the next few months. But for as far as basketball goes, I see no, no end in sight for me. S- something I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on, Kenny, is, you know, all these guys right now who are – leaving college basketball in one way or another, either as graduates or as early entries um, into the draft, who are doing so under these circumstances where, you know, we don't even know what's going to happen to the 1920 NBA season at this point, let alone what the off is mm-hmm. going to look like, let yeah. alone what next year's rosters will be like. And, you know, you've got right. guys like, you know, obviously your former teammate in, in, in Xavier Tillman, and there's, you know, I think 80-something guys have already entered the draft and, you know, just can you kind of put yourself in those shoes of trying to navigate some of these situations with just when everything is an unknown? Like, can you even imagine being in such a, a circumstance? It just seems impossible to me. Yeah, no. And the thing is, we're, we're sitting here talking about how difficult this might be. But you're thinking about, you know, we got millions of people who are waking up with the virus nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. it's. It's minute compared to what's actually happening in this world. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still the future and they have to worry about it. And, you know, I think it, I think it's a good thing to go ahead and test it, especially in, in this year. You know, cause if it doesn't work, he can go back and then go again maybe when it's a more normal year. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's going to be hard for people that eat graduate or are going because, like you said, we don't know when this – this could be a fall – a falls league they might not even have summer league who knows Mm -hmm. so it's going to be very hard for these people to get their names out there unless you are already a big name and there's there's a lot of guys out there that are already big names but i think especially xavier you know i think that him working out of the team him in summer league would really raise his stock yeah yeah big time so i think it's going to hurt him a little bit in that and like i said maybe he goes back maybe he doesn't it's not my decision but Again, he'll be able to try it out this year, and then hopefully next year, if it's normal and he doesn't make it, he'll be able to go again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's a crazy time right now for everyone, and like I said, this is like the last thing that any of us should be worrying about. Yeah. Oh, we do have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's your life. I mean, it's like yes, you know, of course. I mean, right. you, it's one of those things where you, where you almost feel bad <laughs> worrying about your own situation, but it's like you know, it impacts everything. It's like you said, I mean, there's no the day, for this. Yeah. Right, but you got to worry about my. I got to yeah. worry about my future. They oh, got to worry about their future right. because mm-hmm. this might be happening now. But what's going to happen five years now? Yep. So, so Kenny, obviously the uh, anniversary, one year anniversaries of last year's <laughs> run have come up and things like that. And I, I do wonder uh, how much have you been contacted about last year? Have you gotten a chance to rewatch any of the games from that run, or like, you know, does it feel like a year ago? Does it feel like last week? Yeah, just what's this kind of like? Oh, man, now it, in feels like it feels like a century ago. <laughs> <laughs> it does. With everything going on, it feels like it it's been last millennium. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, when everything came up, that was, what, four or five days ago, I think, was the – no, that was about a week ago now. Yeah. Yeah. It was the yeah, March final 30, or the yeah, March 31st game. was the Duke game. Yeah. yeah. When that day came up, uh, I'm telling you, I couldn't even look at social media for a while. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everyone was just like, it, it was blowing up. And um, so I think that also had to do with something with not having any games or any sports yeah. at all right now. So, but, you know, I really do want to go back and watch a couple of games. And I'm not talking about that game specifically, but there was a lot of good games in our run, even from the first couple, you know, Bradley and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just to relive that memory. And, you know, I miss a lot of my guys from Michigan State. I plan on going to see them whenever, whenever I got back. But obviously not an opportunity now, but hopefully I'm going to be able to link up with all of them too. Um, like I said, it was just – it was ridiculous for, you know, a couple-day stretch of everyone just talking about, oh, yeah. Duke this, Duke that, you know. I'm curious, though, with that, and that's uh, aside from the Duke game, um, mm-hmm. this could be any game, whether it be Big Ten tournament, regular season, NCAA. When – what game, if you look back on it today, what game would you look back on and say, uh, that's the game where we – turned into what we would become and become this team that, you know, just runs over people and could make it all the way to the Final Four and beat Duke mm-hmm. and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like, was was there yeah. a stretch or a week or a practice week or whatever it was where it finally you were like, you know, as a guy who'd been around for a long time and seen what that was like, you were like, okay, we got it now. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I can't remember who it was we played, but it was the last couple games we had. We had, I want to say, home away home. And then, like, Michigan being our last home game. Yeah. I think those last couple of games is when I really – even before the Michigan game, I really had started to think, you know, wow, we're starting – one, we were starting to catch our rhythm, which we always do around March. But mm-hmm. Two, I really saw the danger we had from seniors down to freshmen at the time. Um, you know, everyone could come in and produce for us. I mean, we had Connor playing in NCAA yeah. games, you know. There was no one that I was afraid to have in the game. And I don't mean that by any – Slight kind of believe me, um, but at that point in my mind, I was like, you know, this is our chance to really make a run. And yeah, it's just so happened. It was such an interesting team, uh, and I know it only just happened a year ago. But it feels like a century ago because it's like I, I remember at the Big Ten tournament because I had seen you guys when you played Michigan the first time. Then obviously I covered the second one. Brendan saw all those games live, I assume, or most of them. But I remember when you guys got to the Big Ten tournament and you were playing. I want to say it was like Ohio State. And I, was mm-hmm. Ohio State the game where like Lawyer came off the bench and was hitting shots? Yeah, I mean, at, yeah. At it was going crazy. Point, it was yeah. like, I think he had like fifteen. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, okay, they've got like eleven guys that are now playing, and you're like, okay, well, yeah. Michigan State's probably going to make a run at this point. And that, that is super unique, like you said, when you can get not just like one through eight, but it's like that nine, ten, eleven when you can trust that guy to get in there. And yeah, and, and I think for us, play. even in that last two months, I think we had played fourteen different guys and not blowout games by any means, like. Mm-hmm. 14 crazy. in serious time, whenever you need uh, like a bucket or defensive stop, we, we could move to the bench and have numerous options. So that was the real unique thing about our team. Like I said, even just having the freshmen that were killers and Aaron Gabe, Foster, mm-hmm. you know, Thomas, we had guys that were not afraid that had young ages, you know. So even just having them be able to come in, because I don't think we'd be close to without Gabe or Aaron. So to have those guys step up in such a big game, that, that was, that was you know, something that you can't replace. Yeah, I will always uh, claim conference championship games are always so unique, especially the Big Ten, because it's on Sunday and then it's the selection show. You don't even get a chance to process what just happened, no right? And, I mean, that Michigan game, the last Michigan game, when you beat them mm. for the third time, like – Matt McQuaid had one of the, like, all-time postseason games in recent Michigan State history that, like, because you ended up going to the Final Four and because, you know, those games are so weird because they're on Sunday, like, was just so easily overlooked. But then you go back and you look at it, like, he damn near single-handedly beat beat Michigan in what was a huge game. Right. Right. Uh, uh Matt McQuaid's been doing that. You guys have seen him all Mm -hmm. times, but the way they handled himself – in the last couple months of the season alone, 
you know, uh, I, I think that he was the leader that no one had at. Doors. He was the one that really carried us through countless times of the season where, you know, guys are beat up, guys are down. He was the guy that got us to that next level, got us up from the ground and kept us going. And then the Michigan game, it was just, you know, the accumulation of all the hard work he's put in, the fearlessness he has, and then everyone rallying around him. As you could tell, everyone on the bench, everyone in Michigan State, you know, colors was behind Matt McQuaid in that game. And mm-hmm. I think that was just his, his – uh, the cap to his four years at Michigan State of, you know, a hell of a player. I mean, I know that we – was another one. We talked to Duncan the other day about that uh, – the time they played Michigan State in New York – uh, and that was another one, Michigan, Michigan State in the United States. That was two years ago? Yeah, the New York Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden game was two years ago. And then you guys played again in the Big Ten tournament there in uh, United Center. Both of those games, atmosphere wise, are like, I'm, those are number one and two. I don't know what order they'd be in, but they're they're insane games. I mean, that day in Chicago, even. I mean, we you get to the building and it's yeah. like, well, this is completely full. Everyone in here is split right down the middle, and it is just. Int- I remember the anthem being like intense. You know, it was just this crazy, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, crazy setting. It was wild. Yeah, yeah. The the rivalry between Michigan and Michigan State never disappoints, and to have it on such a big stage, this Big Ten tournament. Um, both of us have great fan bases, loyal fan bases, and just absolutely rowdy. So when it gets to you know Chicago or New York, yeah. where everyone's one drunk and two just super hyped for the St. Patrick's tournament. Day. <laughs> That's right. It was St. Patrick's Day, so it was. Yeah. I mean, Kenny, I know it we... always. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, you can finish your thought. Oh, I was just saying it always turns out to be a helping. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, I I know we talked to you about it that night, and it's one of those things. You know, when a guy hits a shot like you hit, um, against Duke, like. We're all going to ask you in that moment, like, do you know that you just hit a shot that might kind of change your life? Like, you will be asked about this for the rest of your life, right? And it will come up yeah. every single year, anniversaries. You're going to get calls from idiots like us every single year. Hey, relive it. You know, it's just going to happen and happen and happen. And you can't you can't digest that in the in the moment, right? Because right. You're just it's just delirium. Um, but a year removed, like you were talking about social media and stuff like that. Did you, did it come into focus a little bit? Like, oh shit, like I'm literally going to be known for that shot for the rest of my life. Yeah. It really started to kick in throughout the year. Like you said, no chance, even in the first two, three months that I would be able to understand the reality of what's happening. Um, I think what really started to kick in was when I got to, when I first got to Italy, that's all people wanted to talk to me about was one guarding Zaya to making the shot and then i was like wow it's really big over here then everything happened last week when the day came up and it's still just you know mind-blowing to me that you know i always thought my friend asked me the other day he's like when you got to michigan state did you think you'd be a starter and i was like yeah well, like i 100 percent thought by the time i left i would at least be a starter i did not even remember if that makes sense you know like 100 percent a starter starter that just kind of gets lost lost in the mix and just the one shot has changed it to where you know i might never be forgotten it's still just like blows my mind that it's me you know because mm-hmm. i grew up on watching guys you know people legends that would never die in my eyes i just couldn't imagine some kid looking at me that way yeah i it's mean so I, funny go ahead Brandon. I, I remember you saying it that night that uh, when you heard the play call in the huddle you were like 
if I catch it, I'm shooting it. And there was you didn't. I don't even think you heard the rest of the play call. And you're just like, you uh, know. oh no, I, I just remember like blacking out in play call. I don't remember what the hell they were talking about. I, I just remember that he wanted me to throw a lob to X, and I was just like, if it is, probably going out. <laughs> and you know, I just. When I caught it and I saw how far away he was, I was like, you're going to shoot this, but you better fucking make it. Too <laughs> yeah. but if I was going to miss, there was no end to that. There's going to be no end to that conversation with his. I love the the, the blackout moment for the athlete. I mean, I love it. Every time a guy, because they're real. Like, they're honest to God real. I've heard yeah, enough yeah. of them tell me or tell these stories. And it's like, you just mentioned it, Kenny. Like, I grew up watching all these guys who were like these legends and stuff, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in that moment. And then you get in the moment, and you're just like, I blacked out, and I shot a three. Because it's just like you get so... <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, I didn't black out during the three. Okay, <laughs> Not good, four. <laughs> but, but your focus gets to a point where you're just like, you know, all the other stuff that you... you I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Did you did you feel the gravity in that no, in that? Yeah, I feel like to me... As a person that's been in this situation, I feel like for me it was like a fight or flight response, you know. Yeah. Where if you're gonna think about everything and you're gonna you're gonna freak yourself out, you know, you're gonna start stressing all that stuff. If you black out, then there's no work, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Just it's just doing what you've done for years and years and years. Yeah. It's you know at that point it's muscle body memory, so mm-hmm. you're just kind of going through the motions. It's always one of these things because fans. But a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Fans always ask us, you know, or, or always ask players, you know, what's it like to make that shot? And all the time, the answer is almost always like they were just doing what they've done a billion times. Yeah. And it's boring sometimes to say it that way, but it's really real. And I always like it's I always truth, love man. the stories. I mean, like I said, like, yeah. you're, I mean, like I said, muscle memory. I've done mm-hmm. this for at that point. It was 22 years almost. So uh, for guys that have been doing that long, it's just another day. It's another game. It's another shot. It's yeah. something that. For everyone, including me, I'll remember forever. But as a statue, you know, it's one of, yeah, I don't know, maybe ten thousand in a career. Yeah, and one of the things that's most impressive about that moment, I completely forgot about this until I went back and reread the story that I wrote that night, and I completely forgot about this. That right before you made the shot. You were getting screamed at because of a blown defensive assignment, and I think you had a yell in the huddle, like, "Listen, I fucked up, but we gotta win this game right now." I was, I was just watching that. Like I said, everyone had posted all the Duke stuff, and there was like an extended cut where it was like, I don't know, the last three and a half minutes or something like that. And I was just looking, I was watching, and I'm like, "Wow, messed up there, messed up again." <laughs> Holy shit, I just let him score on me. Like, just messed up three or four times in a row. Then we get to the huddle where Iz was just... You, you've seen it, and I won't go into it, but you've seen how he yells. He was doing that, I'm just like... I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, we got to play. Like, we got to keep going. So I fucked up. Move on. We got to... Like, what do you want us to run? And at the point, he yelled out the play, and it was just... Everything else after that is kind of foggy. Yeah, yeah. It was go time, man. And you, I mean, you made that shot. And I, I mean, I'll never forget uh, seeing you with your folks uh, on the court that night, uh, posing for, for pictures together with all the confetti around you. And it was just yeah, like I a think level, it was you that was trying to level. interview me. I also apologize for that. No, it was good. I got your, I got your folks. I followed their asses out of the arena <laughs> to, the, uh, to the elevator. And, uh, and, and that, was, that was when your dad told me that he was still paying off the debt from your freshman year. And that was what I wrote that night. And 
<laughs> it was all good. I, I I didn't even I didn't even try to corral you. I said that's a lost cause. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I couldn't even tell you what happened after that. <laughs> it's a, it was a wild night. Wild well, night, a wild game, right? Did you guys also like? Because there's so much yeah. that gets made about you know Tom Izzo versus Duke and you know his record against Shashevsky and and everything else and. Those are another thing that, you know, we as Brennan and I, I mean, we we hear these things in our job all the time, but we know that a lot of these things get overblown and players don't ever feel it. Um, and I'm sure you got asked about it a ton at the time, but it's like one of those, when you go into a game like that even, you know, it's like, is that is that on the mind? Is, is you know, or is that another one of those moments that you're just like, okay, we're, you know, we're basketball players, we've done this a thousand times, it's another game. I mean, I think for all of us, especially Michigan State, you know, like you said, we heard it enough yeah. to where it is in our mind. We've talked, we talked about it before, not with the coaches as just players. We talked about it before, but as the game starts going, or even as you get real close to the game, like shoot around warmups, you know, it starts to become this thing of those are other teams. This is our team. This is our year. This is our time. So all that other stuff, all the past goes out the window, you know, it's, it's here and now we're worried about what's going to happen in these next four minutes rather than, happened for the last 40 years or whatever. So you be. guys were fully in that uh, that great headspace that, that teams that make Final Four runs were in already at, in the Elite Eight, where you're like, we're, we're it's inconceivable that we're going to lose a game. <laughs> like, you, you, you just convince yourself that you're like, we're just yeah. playing too well and, and this is going to work out. This is because this is my story and this well, is going to work out I mean, well every, at the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Every I mean, every great team, every great player, whatever it has to be, you have to have yeah. I mean, it's just like Muhammad Ali used to say. He's the greatest fighter. It can't no one beat him, and no one did. So if you speak it into existence, sometimes it happens. And yeah. that's a lot of – that's like half the battle for basketball teams in the final four runs. you got to convince yourself that, okay, we passed the Sweet 16. Now we're going to pass the Elite Eight. We're going to pass the Final Four, whatever it might be. you got to convince yourself that it's just another game. And you are going to win the Kenny, I'm, I'm curious, you know, like moving forward, obviously you're focusing on your on your pro career and you probably have a lot of years ahead of you here. Um, but it, it, have you thought about way have you thought about ways that you can, um, I don't know, talk to people or share your story, you know, as you keep going? Because, you know, what you did, like I always I loved your story because I feel like, look, there's so much wrong with college basketball, right? In terms of whatever you want to get into of player compensation and blah, 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 all that stuff. But like your story specifically, I think in just so many ways speaks to like why we all love college basketball. Like you're just so representative of that from being, you know, the the walk on to what you did as your senior year. It's just really, really cool. And like, do do you have a way to like, do you have a way to like talk to, um, you have an outlet or whatever it is to, to talk to young athletes and, and be able to share this. And cause you know, you didn't give you up know, on I yourself. I never really thought about that. that. Yeah. I never thought about that. Um, you know, I, I pretty good friends with, uh, Anthony Iani. I don't know if you know him sure. from Michigan state. Uh, he does motivational speaking around the, around the world really. And, uh, I love the way that he does it, but I just never thought for myself that that, you know, that would be an outlet for me. Um, you know, I would like to look into it, and I think it is a good idea, like you said. Not not so much for the monetary reasons, just mm-hmm. to share the story. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be a great idea. Just never even crossed my mind. 
Yeah, as you yeah, as Twitter you get right. older. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're having too much. You're having too much fun right now. Yeah. Yeah, I would keep, I would keep playing Kenny until the legs fall off. That would be my advice to you at this point. Right, right. Do it as long as you. He's can. only last so long. Yeah, right. 100%. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it on that. Um, Kenny, anytime we have a guest, uh, especially anyone as good as you on uh, on the show, we we ask them. Typically, we ask people to make sure they tip their bartenders and servers, but under the circumstances, that's, that's, that's kind of tough. Not working out so well. But, uh, yeah. but supporting local restaurants is obviously hugely important. Do you, uh, do you have any places you want to give a shout-out to or, or tell folks of, mm. of, of good ideas, of places that they can get a bite nowadays uh, under the circumstances? Yeah, let me, let, me, let me look up my cousin's restaurant, actually. <laughs> there you go. We're going to keep it in the family for now. shout-out. Where's the place located? In Detroit. Detroit. Okay. That's why I'm gonna look up where it is. I'm not giving out any false information <laughs> we're not, here. We're not dealing in fake facts here well, on, the, on the beat podcast. This this podcast yeah. is known for its journalistic uh, integrity and accuracy. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Only way to do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you want me to just say it out loud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give the plug. Give out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You guys should go. They're still doing curbside pickups. I don't know about delivery, but curbside pickups for sure at Table Number Two Restaurant. My cousin owns it, and uh, he's located at one eight nine two five Livernois Road in Detroit, Michigan. Got a crazy selection of things to eat: desserts, appetizers. He's doing an Easter. Oh, nice. uh, catering event if anyone looking for Easter plans so yeah nice. like I said table table number two restaurant if you guys want to look it up awesome great great place to eat awesome that is terrific man well yeah everyone out there make sure if you're in the Detroit area I, that sounds like a good sure. little Easter option right there so uh, yeah, hit it absolutely. up absolutely $25 a person I'm pretty sure there you go Can't beat that. love it alright well Kenny you were awesome and we really appreciate you you coming on we're so glad to hear that you're safe and sound and back home and uh we wish you nothing but yes. the best moving forward man yeah you guys too man stay safe out there and stay inside <laughs> hopefully i'll talk to you guys again sometime soon <laughs> yeah.